0: Welcome into another News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal St. Cyr alongside Justin Barney. The Jaguars have wrapped up the regular season, and they did it in a, definitely an exciting wow. way. Boom. Not not what
1: we expected. Who saw that coming? 15-point <laughs> underdogs started out of line at 15.5, and, and man, they beat the Colts into oblivion on Sunday. No one saw that coming. I guess if you look historically, the Colts' struggles in Jacksonville, yeah, maybe they had some kind of hope in this one, the Jaguars to win, but... In reality, the team that we've been watching this year, that did not look uh, like the team we've been watching.
0: This might be their best game of the year. Hands down, I, I think it is their best game of the year. I think the Steelers need to be sending fruit baskets to every player's house. Uh, Bevel did say that some of the assistant coaches on the Steelers staff had reached out to him and said thank you. He said he hadn't heard from Mike Tomlin yet when he spoke today in his uh, end-of-season press conference. But uh, there's still hope that Tomlin will at least shoot him a text message or something, right?
1: Man, that's unbelievable. <laughs> and then the Steelers last night dodged uh, oblivion as well. Goodness. I mean, the Raiders and Chargers looking like they're going to head for a tie. Oh, just what a Sunday of football highlighted by the Jags.
0: All right, so now that the regular season is done, we officially turn the page to the off season for the Jaguars. For them, the looming question, or the biggest question is, who's the next head coach? Is the general manager sticking around? The way it seems as of right now, Trent Baalke is going to be here. Whether you like it or not, whether you were a clown or not, whatever it may be, it seems like... Trent Balky is going to be a part of this team. So I guess we've reached the stage of selling yourself or convincing yourself that he has earned the right to stay here. What has Trent Balky done since he's been with the Jaguars? He's helped Dave Caldwell clean up the salary cap? He kept the Jaguars in a good salary cap standing this season. I'm not giving him points for Trevor, but, I mean, he did bring in Walker Little, who's played well when given the opportunity. Andre Sisco played well when given the opportunity. Tyson Campbell looks like a very good pick there. Um, so, I mean, is that enough to really convince ourselves that Trent Bulky can be a solid general manager for this team?
1: I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I don't know. Enough, I don't know but... if that's enough. Um you know, I think going into the season, everybody in town, out of town, in the in the bank, knew that this was Urban Meyer's show. Trent Balky was just there to, um, you know, to, to kind of tender things, salary cap guy, and this was Urban Meyer's team. So does Shad Khan go into this saying, "Hey, Trent wasn't really given a fair shake. It was Urban squad. Uh, let's see what he can do. I trust Trent. I've I've had him in this operation for two years." Um, And let's go from there. I don't know if that'll be a detriment to to hiring the next head coach. Um, I still think that if you're offered an NFL head coaching job, even one with as bad of a track record as Jacksonville, you probably take it.
0: Oh, I'm sure. It'll be very – the people that will consider it a little bit heavier are the guys that have that head coaching experience because they know – Second chances are hard to come by, but third chances, even harder. So, I mean, a Dan Quinn, I could see saying, eh, I don't know, Jim Caldwell, Doug Peterson, those kind of guys, I could see them saying, look, I need a, a really good situation for this second shot because that third shot may never come if you're waiting on it. Um, I mean, I, you know, let's flip it on its head a little bit here and say, well, you know, maybe, just maybe, we the one of the things that I kind of pitched was that, you know, maybe they kept bulky because he was going to be the fall guy if this season didn't go well they fire bulky hire a new general manager to pair with urban was the was my original thesis um and maybe we're just seeing that rehashed because the the entire formula didn't come together. You hire this rock star coach, you put together a rock star staff, and then if it doesn't go well, bulky's still your fall guy, and then you can kind of appease fans in that format, bring in a new general manager then, because Shot has spoken openly about wanting a coach-centric setup. In order to have a coach-centric setup, your general manager's kind of the background guy. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think even in those early press conferences, uh, when Meyer and Balky were, were introduced together, it was no doubt it was Meyer's team. and that was the coach centric um, theme that Shad wanted. Uh, but Trent Balky did put together this roster. It had a hand a small part in it, whatever whatever equation he had. Uh, his fingerprints are over this roster um, from a, from a vantage point out here. Now how much control and how much influence did he have over Urban Meyer? Um, we will never know that, but it was Urban Meyer's team when he was hired. Um, it was not Trent Baalke's team. It wasn't Trent Baalke's team last year. Dave Caldwell was the guy, and he kind of cleaned up the mess there. So, you know, in Trent Baalke's defense, he has not truly had that room to shine, that room to operate, and, um, you know, I guess he, he is truly the fall guy. But nonetheless, I think uh, – I don't know if you uh, keep a Baalke around, if it's going to hinder your, your opportunity to hire a guy like a, uh, maybe a Brian Flores, whoever – Else it may be I don't know how 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 much retaining Trent Baalke um, is going into um, who you're going be, to be able to get in this um, in this next coaching hire um, I, you know I'm not I do think it should be a clean sweep um, you know it, it, I I don't know how you can hang on to Trent Baalke my only thinking of Shad Khan is well he's not really had a full season that he's not really had a chance to, to truly manage this roster. That's the only thing I can think of. And maybe he really likes Trent Bulky.
0: If I'm Trent, the only thing you can give to sell shot is that, you know, the only reason I have a bad record as a general manager is similar like you as an owner. I just haven't found the right coach to be paired with. Because to Bulky's, I mean, well, this isn't really his credit because he hired multiple of these guys the past five years he's gone that he's ended up as a general manager have all had coaching changes i mean you go back jim harbaugh's gone they bring in jim tom sula tom sula gone after a year he brings in chip kelly him and kelly are gone he comes here to jacksonville he takes over for dave caldwell doug marone gets fired He's the general manager this year, Urban Meyer fired. The dude has an awful track record with coaches. I don't know if it's that he can't work with them, they can't work with him, or they just can't find the right guy. But, I mean, that's the only pitch that I can see him saying is, look, Shad, uh, we have something in common. We both need to find the right coach that can get things on the right track record, and I just haven't found that right guy. Um, And that's the only thing that I can figure you pitch. Now, who is that right guy that Trent can work with? I don't know because when you've gone through that many different coaches who have different approaches to the game, uh, because I started going back and researching some of these different coaches, like I didn't know some of the things that Tom Sula. Tom Sula was a very uh, different kind of coach. He was letting guys take breaks in meetings to to check social media and stuff like that. That didn't work, you know. Chip Kelly wasn't that kind of guy. Another college coach. I mean, clearly Trent does not work well with guys with college backgrounds. So why he's pushing for Bill O'Brien right now? Yeah, I'm not real sure, but I, I think the the big the first domino that's gonna fall is who the coach is, or who what coach convinces Shy that they're the right man for the job, and does that person have a sticking point of I don't want bulky?
1: Yeah, and that's true. And, and are you gonna end up with a guy like Bill O'Brien who's been rumored to uh, to be a bulky guy? Are you gonna end up with a, a young upcomer like a Byron Leftwich? Are you gonna end up with an old uh, tried and true a Doug Peterson? I mean, I. And I think if you're a coach coming in, it's got to be a realistic question of um, how can I work with Trent Bulky? How can I um, how can I jive with his style? And that that may be a deterrent for some guys, you know, a Josh McDaniels or um, Eric, B- whoever the case may be. I mean, you go into a situation. Usually, it's a coach and general manager when you're when, when you're packaged together. You're out at the same time. Mm-hmm. We saw that uh, today in Chicago, um, and I just don't know. Uh, keeping Trent bulky is the the thing and how big of a deterrent it will be. And, you know, shot obviously likes the guy to keep him around and and give him another crack at things, despite the public outcry.
0: All right. Before we dive into some of the outside coaching candidates and the latest on what's going on there, let's look inside the Jaguars building. Uh, A lot of the defensive players that spoke today as they did their end of season availability, all, you know, giving their sales pitch for why Joe Cullen should be retained as the Jaguars defensive coordinator. Guys saying, you know, Cullen was calling guys that were on the COVID list every day, just checking on them as a person, not as a football coach. And he was able to endear himself to those defensive players. And we've talked all year of the defense hasn't been the problem. Has Joe Cullen done enough that he can, him and that defensive staff, deserve the chance to come back and do it in a more... Functional environment,
1: yeah. On the outside, sure, you know. But again, you you, how many wins, how many losses this year? And um, the Jaguars' defense didn't do well at forcing turnovers. Didn't do well at getting to the quarterback with consistency. So uh, I don't know if that last game kind of glosses over that fact, or he was a player's coach. Um, but I think it's obviously who who is hired as that next head coach, and if they got a guy they're tight with. I mean, you know, you see this quite a bit in In coaching, whether it's holdovers in high school, college, whatever the case may be, players on that team will want a coach or a position coach or an assistant to stay with the team. I don't think it works out that way most of the time. Um, Cullen did some good things with this defense, and um, I don't know if he's here for the long term. We've talked about um, if you're a young coach, you bring in and hire the best staff you can. Is Joe Mm -hmm. Cullen the best defensive coordinator that Jacksonville can get? I don't know. I don't know.
0: Yeah, you know, I think Joe Cullen has done a solid job. I've really liked watching how he has matured as a defensive coordinator throughout the season, his play calls. The players have talked about openly about how he has progressed as a play caller and as a defensive coordinator throughout the year because he was learning on the job. This Mm -hmm. was his first shake at it. I think he's done a good job. I just don't think the Jaguars are in a position where – Shad can go into an interview and be like, Look, I want to hire you, but you're going to keep, you're going to inherit this defensive staff. I don't think they're in that kind of position because that will turn some candidates away. I don't think the defense was dynamic enough to really. to really have earned that right on top of that, so while I would I wouldn't mind if Joe stuck around, I don't think that's going to be the reality so. of the situation. Some of those, some of his staffers, I'd like to see. Like I think Zach Orr is a really good coach and has done some really good things. Uh, I wouldn't mind a, a Chris Ash sticking around if he wanted to. Um, Walton, who works with the corners, uh, they have some good coaches along that defense. We already know Tosh LePoy is already out of the door. He's heading off to Oregon to be their defensive coordinator. But some of those guys, I I thought Tosh LePoy did a a phenomenal go- job with that defensive line. Um, and he would have been a coach that I would have loved to retain. I would love to retain some of those guys. I just think it's going to be tough to tell a coach, yeah. Joe Cullen's your defensive coordinator. Come to Jacksonville. Yeah. And
1: I think that's what we, we heard from Shad last time when we went through this coaching cycle was, you know, is so-and-so going to stay? Is Keenan McArdle going to stay? Is, is – You know, so I think those questions are natural and obvious and shot at the time said, you know, that's going to be up to the the next head coach. That's going to be his final decision. And I think a lot of times, I mean, I have no scientific data to back me on this, but when when there are guys who are, um, you know, trumpeted for the job or to stay around, I just don't think it works out. I think that's a that's kind of a, a glass half full mentality of players saying, hey, we want this guy to stay around, but. I just don't think realistically you can ask a new head coach who wants gonna wanna come in and set his own culture and bring some guys here he likes hired the best coordinators he can. I just don't think that's feasible um, to ask a new coach to do.
0: That's a devil you know rather than the, the devil you don't kind of deal. All right, how about this? Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about choaching change. Before we look outside, one more guy inside. Daryl Bevel said that Trent Baalke approached him after the Colts game personally and told him that, you know, at some point this week or next week he will get his shot to interview for the job. Uh, Bevel definitely stepped into what was a difficult situation. Yeah, you've got uh, to
1: respect it.
0: You got to respect the job that he's done. He stabilized the program. He got those guys to go out there and, and beat a, a team that was playing for the right to go to the playoffs and beat them handily. Um I think Daryl Bevel's done a good job. We've been over we were very critical of his offense heading into him becoming the interim. Um still don't take back those critical comments, but maybe, just maybe he could be a fit as a head coach. He does have experience. Um, he, this was his second go around as an interim head coach. Never been a, a, an NFL head coach, but is this his? Has he earned the, the, the chance to be a serious contender for this job? Even though he only led them to the one win.
1: Hey, he's two and seven all time in a head coaching career, which hey, is you know. better than Urban Meyer's record. <laughs> so if he never coaches a, another game in the NFL, he will uh, retire with a better record than uh, Shad Khan's hand guy. But, no, I, I don't think Daryl Bevel – I think it's a courtesy hire uh, interview. I think it's a, you know, just consideration, hey, you, you did this for us. We're going to at least give you a serious interview. But I just don't think it's uh, – fans would revolt if they hired <laughs> Daryl Bevel to be the full-time head coach. I don't I don't see that happen. I think it's more of a courtesy thing um, of Shad and, and Mark Lamping and Trent Baalke to, to say – Daryl you can uh, come in and interview. I think it, it needs a culture change. I think it's a, it's a reset as as far as the coaches here.
0: If I'm Bev, I roll in there and I tell Shad, my, my opening selling point is you don't want your quarterback going through a new head coach every year. And this will be a second year and a second head coach. Some of the guys that are on the roster going into their third year going into a third head coach. So uh, that you don't want to keep having this turnover. If you keep me, I – reference stability what I can do if I this is me giving my sales pitches Daryl Bevel I can keep Joe Cullen in place I can bring in a new offensive coordinator even or promote Schottenheimer but then this reference this creates stability we do some things different I was able to stabilize the ship we all know how dysfunctional it was and um, the players at have referenced that you know Bevel was put in a tough spot and he was able to come in and and get the guys to come together as a team and play together. It didn't work out well every game. I mean, obviously the Patriots game. But it did work out well for that final game of the season. And maybe that last win – is, you know, glossing over it, and if they lose that game, he's not even in consideration, yep. maybe doesn't even get the interview. But uh, do I think he is a, a best-case scenario kind of guy? No, no, I don't think he's a best-case scenario. That's if your first eight guys turn you down. Right, and, if, if everybody just turns you down because, you, I guess, you're set on keeping Trent or whatever it may be, uh, then yeah, you maybe you default back to Bevel, and then we have to go to selling ourselves on why Daryl Bevel was the best candidate for the job. Uh, all right, let's let's flip the flip the page now. They've got some updates on the coaching search of sorts, and Nathaniel Hackett planning the interview next week while the the Packers are on their bye week. Uh, Byron Lefwich already interviewed, Kellen Moore already interviewed, Doug Peterson, Jim Caldwell have all already interviewed for the job. But there are some new coaches that are now officially freeing on the market. Brian
1: Flores, I'm very intrigued by that. Never saw that coming.
0: I did not think he was going to get fired. I thought he had done a good job down there in Miami with the the situation down there. Um, The report from Jeff Darlington is that his relationship with Tua had just uh, degraded to the point where – they they thought it was time for them to get a fresh start and get a new head coach in there. Uh, realistically, I'm not sure that Tua is the answer at quarterback, wow. and that's why so many people had been floating around Deshaun Watson to Miami, and they're saying that Watson was interested in Miami because he wanted to play for Flores. So uh, clearly Flores has a good relationship with some players, mm-hmm. um, but for whatever reason, his relationship with Tua in that quarterback room Deteriorated, and that's where we, they end up in this point where he gets moved on from. I think Brian Flores is a very intriguing candidate. I thought he had done good work there in Miami. They had constantly been taking steps forward. This year, obviously a very slow start to the season, but instead of letting it snowball, they were able to get it on the right track, finish the year on a pretty strong tip, and, I mean, they head into the offseason. They didn't make the playoffs, but I thought they were heading in the correct direction. Absolutely. Um. So I would be very intru- – I think Shad should be calling Flores' agent right now and telling him, look, I don't know how I'm going to get this dude to Jacksonville. I want to at least interview him to be my head coach. But if he doesn't get another head coaching offer or if, if I can't offer him the head coaching job, I want him employed in my building yep. somehow, some way. Is it as a linebacker, assistant head coach? I don't know. Maybe defensive coordinator. He's never been a defensive coordinator before. But I want Flores here because – His leadership is what helped build Miami to the point where they were contending. That
1: kind of goes into the philosophy of what you were saying last week when, you know, hey, Matt Nagy, he gets fired. Bring him here as an OC. He's got head coaching experience. um, And, I mean, Brian Flores, he's got that Patriots experience. He turned things around in Miami. Mm -hmm. Um, Why not kick the tires on him? I mean – He's going to want to be a head coach, I'm sure, and I think he could. I mean, what he did in Miami was uh, the Lord's work down there by keeping the <laughs> Dolphins uh, abreast and afloat there. I mean, they, that was a, a miraculous turnaround job by him mm-hmm. under some uh, pretty – pretty uh, I mean, a constant rebuild in that first couple years he was there. I mean, they're trading out stars for draft picks and um, really rebuilding. He held that franchise together. So if I'm Shad Khan or Mark Lamping, I – Certainly, get on the phone to Brian Flores' agent and, and get him in the mix too. I don't, I did not see that coming. And I mean, the Nagy fires, the Mike Zimmer fires. Okay, that's uh, those are, I think, the ones you saw. But man, I think Flores is very enticing for Jacksonville.
0: I would, I wouldn't mind. Uh, and Vic Fangio and Mike Zimmer are at the top of my defensive coordinator candidate list. At, right at the top. Mike Zimmer has such a great track record as a defensive coordinator, and so does Vic Fangio. Would love to get either one of them here. I uh, would love to find a way to add Brian Flores. If they hired Brian Flores right now as the Jaguars' next head coach, I don't blink an eye. Mm-hmm. Right now, the Jaguars have more talent. Like if you look at the the rosters that Miami's worked with, like he had Ryan Fitzpatrick and mm-hmm. Tua last year. This year, just Tua. He has Trevor Lawrence. This is your guy. You don't have to worry about your quarterback. At running back, they've been giving the ball to Miles Gaskin. Like at best, Miles Gaskin's like, okay, if James Robinson and Travis Etienne are healthy, you yep. got two horses at running back. You gotta figure out the wide receiver position. You gotta figure out tight end offensive line. But he has playmakers where Miami didn't. His defense in Miami got a lot more talent in the secondary than the Jaguars have. But that's his background. I mean, he can't comes from a, a linebacker background, a defensive background. He can figure some of that stuff out. And I mean, Tyson Campbell and Shaquille Griffin, you can do a lot worse than that combination. Rudy Ford, I think he showed a lot. Maybe he's your nickel. Maybe you find a way to upgrade. I, there are pieces here mm-hmm. where if you bring in Brian, Brian Flores as your leadership guy and say he's your head coach, I want to pair him with maybe a. Maybe we get Nagy. I, I don't know if they have any, any connection going back, but maybe you get Nagy as your offensive coordinator. I'm, I'm intrigued now, you uh, know Jim what I mean? Jim Caldwell
1: and the uh, EVP role, uh, now, uh, we're, now we're putting things together. Now we're putting things yeah. together,
0: and him and Caldwell worked together in Miami, and Caldwell just stepped away last year. So, I mean, I don't know what the the where that came from, that step away, but maybe you start piecing those things together, Jim Caldwell comes in as your EVP, Brian Flores as your head coach, uh, you know, and there there's a, a lot of different options where we could go for the OC and D.C., I mean, maybe Flores, Tabs, Gerard Mayo from New England as his defensive coordinator, another guy that he doesn't have defensive coordinator experience or head coaching experience, but he's a top-list candidate who's expected to be one of the next coordinators or coaches that are Mm going to rise up through the ranks. I don't mind bringing in rock star guys that somebody else is going to hire. Good problem to have is replacing a guy because somebody else wants him. Yeah,
1: you want to get him when the opening act ends. Yes. Before they make the main stage. Exactly. And that's a guy that I – you know that's the Sean McVay kind of theory. Get yeah. him before they blossom into that. Where everybody wants them.
0: Right, and because that's when you can get him. Once everybody wants them, you gotta wait, and you're like, and then you gotta play the guy maybe twice a year if he's in your division. You're like, man, I could have hired him, and I gotta play him twice. Like I feel like Sean looks at Mike Vrabel and thinks that you know mm-hmm. I could have hired Mike. I, I could, have, I could have done this. And now he's playing this guy, and everybody across the NFL looks at him and says, he's one of the top coaches around the league. You could have hired him, but sometimes you just got to step out a little bit. Is the Flores hired that step out? No, not really. But I think he's a really good head coach. And you saw, we've all seen what he did in Miami. You know, I think there's a solid argument there to bring him to Jacksonville and just surround him with a good staff. Maybe you bring Anthony Lynn in as your OC. Maybe you just bring him in as a running back coach. But then you you put a lot of really good staff together for him. Uh, The only other name uh, that just was fired that I'd be interested in is maybe Mike Zimmer. I wouldn't want Nagy. I wouldn't want Fangio. Zimmer would be the only one that I'd be interested in, Maybe. But I, I let him interview. I don't think he gets hired. Though. Not, as, not
1: as a head coach. No, so
0: no. So. As a DC, I don't mind it. As a DC, I don't mind it. Uh, as far as the coaches that are on the market, I, I think we're still at the same kind of standstill. This is going to be a slow process. I, there's no, I don't expect Shad Khan to make any sort of rash decision. I don't think we're going to have an answer until after the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I don't expect him to make a hire. I think we might get to a point where he's narrowed it down to a finalist list. But I don't expect him to make a hire or even get an answer as far as Trent Bulky until after the Super Bowl.
1: And then I mean the Senior Bowl as well is right around that time when right. I mean, your staff is out there um, scouting guys and and draft eligible guys. So that's a that's a an area to watch too that date as well. I think that's February fifth. Right. Um, so that week is very important for uh, for the Jaguars as a as a franchise. I mean you're picking first in the draft. But you're gonna have the first pick of each round. I mean that second that second round pick is a beautiful pick to have as well. And these are the guys you're going to be seeing at that senior bowl. So um, I think that's a, that's kind of the, I think you have to have a staff in place by that point.
0: So I'm glad you brought up the senior bowl. Cause it reminded me of something that I, that I was trying of I had been kind of playing with. So one of the reasons why I think maybe Trent Bulky is being retained is to give some sort of stability. So last offseason when they brought in Urban, he basically cleared out everybody, mm-hmm. ripped the building to the studs, and brought in all his own guys. That included the scouting staff, and he brought, wanted to. He fired guys that had been with the team since the team got to Jacksonville, mm-hmm. and then brought in. I mean, we haven't heard many reports of who the guys he hired into those scouting roles were, but he brought in his own people. If you fire Trent, then you bring in a new GM who has to inherit a scouting staff he doesn't know that just got here. We don't know if they're even qualified because this last guy that wasn't qualified clearly brought him in. I mean, Trent at least provides some sort of, okay. I've been looking at draft stuff myself, which Trent has been working on draft work all year. Uh, he he's been doing that he knows some of these scouts whether or not he wants to retain them that's another discussion but that gives some sort of stability as opposed to ripping the building to the studs for the second year in a row mm-hmm. and then who's the guy that you bring in to do the hiring for the second year in a row and who's to say that this guy isn't crazy too <laughs> and and then you're you're you go into this constant cycle of we, we don't even have a building anymore because we constantly just keep gutting the thing. I think that's where the Shad wants to retain Trent for is because Urban ripped the place to the studs in order to come here. He said, I don't want nothing left. I want to hire this robust staff. I want analytics. I want my own scouts. I don't trust these guys. I want my people around me. Which is why it was so funny to me the way it all came crumbling down. Of well, these aren't my, the, my staff is bad. They're all losers. You brought all these people here. You brought, here. Them. You brought but, them all. But he, so I think that's where Trent is appealing to Shad because if you rip it to the studs, you bring in another general manager. Even if you hire him today, January tenth, how long do they have to get to know a scouting department that hasn't been on the job that long? I mean, I don't know even the the resumes of these scouts mm-hmm. that Urban brought in. Who's to say he brought in qualified people?
1: Yeah, I mean, That's so true. And you know, Trent does bring that familiarity, that comfort. He's been with the the franchise two years. Um, he, I'm sure he's got to do a ton of stuff behind the scenes that we have no idea about. He's obviously got Shad's ear, and I think that stability means something to Shad. I know he was yes. Shad has been a huge guy about. Um, keeping things the same when they need to be. You know, Dave Caldwell, Doug Marone, he gave them chances. Tom Coughlin gave him chances. To he doesn't want to
0: look like the Browns or the Raiders in those years where they were constantly <laughs> just turning over the building, turning over the building. He wants to, there to be some sort of stability. Continuity, a, and, a, continuity and I think Balky right.
1: offers that at yes. this moment in time. And he, I, th-
0: I think that's why Shad's digging his heels in. Like, y'all don't understand we need to keep him around because the draft is coming up, and we do need draft picks that hit. And Urban brought in all these people. I let Urban bring in all these people, and now he's gone. So Trent has NFL experience. He's been a general manager. He's not going to destroy the salary cap. That's his selling point is that he knows these people. And even if you have to turn over the scouting staff for the second year in a row, at the very least, Trent has drafted before and has done his own homework and has been doing his own homework for guys that would fit Jacksonville – For all this entire season as opposed to if you bring in another general manager if they're just the finance guy or the contract guy there they're not in if they're not in draft mode if they're not a draft guy how much draft research have they done can they go in and nitpick a scouting staff that again we don't know who they are what their credentials Mm -hmm. are i mean who's to say that urban even finished filling in this scouting staff before he was jettisoned we we don't
1: know. Yeah, we don't I mean, he, we
0: just know I, he gutted it, Yeah, you know?
1: I do think the, the point of, you know, Trent did not – he wasn't the general manager in 2020. He was this year, but I do think that it was coach-centric. I think Meyer was the guy calling the shots, and I do think Trent was, was bringing a little bit of, hey, but we have to do this. I think he was a, a sounding board, but I think Urban had the final say of things, and he was the guy. I mean, it was Shad's choice. He wanted Urban – he gave him that power, and uh, I just don't think Trent has had a full, um, so to speak, a full, uh, a full table in front of him to make those calls and everything, and I think that stability right now is what Shod is kind of looking at and saying, okay, kind of guide me through this. You know, you've been here, you've seen things, and kind of take me through this process. And I do think that that is Trent's, as you said, kind of his biggest saving grace right now is that stability, familiarity, and uh, he's got Shod's ear.
0: All right, so let's turn the page to the offseason a little bit, and let's not even talk coaches. Let's look at players. One of the positions that everyone can agree on needs to be upgraded is pass catchers. Whether it's a tight end, whether it's a wide receiver, they need difference makers that can catch the ball for Trevor. How do we get them? The free agent market's kind of dried up. Chris Godwin tore his ACL. Uh, Michael Gallup tore his ACL. The expectation is that Devontae Adams is going to get franchise tagged. Um you know, so the, the question becomes, where do you get this pass catchers from? Are you willing? Wh- what would you prefer here? And I'm going to throw out a couple of scenarios, and you can kind of pick from that how you feel. So we can throw a, a make Chris Godwin coming off an ACL tear, the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL, in order to get him. Uh, you can make Michael Gallup probably a top 10, top five paid wide receiver coming off another injury in order to get him here or you can say uh, you can call up maybe the Saints or the Seahawks and say hey look I'll give you our top pick for you know Michael Thomas DK Metcalf y'all kick us back a first round pick and uh, a, a package of deals there to get one of those guys cuz maybe y'all are rebuilding and don't want those contracts on your books uh, or do you just trade down and go at it with a, a rookie wide receiver how do you bolster that Man, position that's, that's, they're all it's tough it's all that's
1: a tough <laughs> thing because for one, I mean, rookie receivers outside of uh, Jamar Chase mm-hmm. and, I mean, Devontae, I just, you don't have that type of success, that instant success. I mean, what those guys did this season, um, especially Jamar Chase, I mean, he's just otherworldly. Historic. You don't see that. You don't yeah. see that ever from a receiver. I mean, look at D.J. Chark. His first year, he was invisible. His second year, he was a very good player, and he kind of turned the corner then. But Jacksonville needs help. Right now, mm-hmm. in 2022, they don't have time. And yeah, they do have time for a receiver to develop, as long as he's not their number one guy. They need a guy, and I bring back DJ Chark. Yes. Um, and I bring back Marvin Jones. I bring back Laviska, um, Laquan Treadwell. I bring him back. I, I think Laquan, what he showed in these last probably five or six games,
0: he can play. He can he, be a depth he, receiver for you. He'll play special teams. I, I 100% think he's a veteran minimum, yep. right above it, guy that should be on your team.
1: So I think you're Marvin Jones. Um, you bring him back. Again, you know what you're getting with him. He's a, a serviceable guy who can make some good catches. DJ coming off an ACL. Um, I think you have to do a combination of both. I think you have to draft a good receiver, possibly in a trade-down scenario or in that second round. And I think you have to throw the bag at, a, at an entity um, the Chris Godwin type. I think you've got to you've got to make a, an aggressive move in free agency to bring an established pass catcher.
0: Are here. you willing to to give one of these guys? I mean, like I said, Michael Gallup has a pretty long injury history. and You're probably going to have to make him a top ten paid wide receiver in the NFL to get him here. Or do mm-hmm. you make Chris Godwin the highest paid receiver in the league? And he's coming off of a major injury. Yeah, I mean, are you willing to do? do are you yeah, willing to do that? I
1: would look at a at a Godwin type scenario. He's yeah, been less I mean, Godwin's
0: up. the best guy. If you can get him, the if the only thing that scares you is the ACL, and you're handing a guy a contract. ACLs necessarily aren't as scary as they used to mm-hmm. be. And look at A. Rob, what he did. He right. came
1: off an ACL tear in Jacksonville, and the Bears paid him, and he's produced. You know, for a bad franchise uh, for several years. So um, I think I don't think an ACL is is a killer. I mean, Gallup's injury history is a little bit more detailed. Um, I think that would be more of a scare. So I think you need a blockbuster, true number one, an established number one receiver uh, to give Trevor after this year. I mean, this is this has just been an unbelievable, terrible year when you look at the pass catchers on this team. I mean, drop passes, no true number one. I mean, you're, you're pitching Jamal Agnew in there and expecting him to be a guy. Then you're Laquan Treadwell, Tavon Austin. I mean, those are those are street guys that you picked up mm-hmm. to put in there. And, I mean, obviously Laquan responded toward the uh, latter half of the season. Um, and I like him as a, as a fourth guy, fifth guy on a good receiver team next year, hopefully. Um, but I do. I think you throw the bag at a top-flight receiver, whoever's going to be left after not getting franchise tagged, and you just hope that they develop that rapport uh, that Marvin Jones didn't develop. I mean, we wanted Marvin Jones to be that guy, and he just he showed us kind of what he was. I mean, he he's a he's a solid number two receiver.
0: Yeah, I I, I don't I would don't want to wait for free agency and put all my eggs in that basket because I think it's going to be it's going to be very competitive. You're going to have to pay a guy if it's Chris Godwin. I'm fine with it. Somehow, right now, I think I know Tampa Bay is tight on the salary cap, but I think they're going to find a way to make some clear some cap space and re-sign this dude. I just don't see him walking away. I think that they need to try and attack the trade market. I think a Michael Thomas isn't necessarily available, but I think if you call up and make New Orleans a solid offer and say, "Hey, look, uh, you you know you want a quarterback? We got the number one pick. You give us MT." I will give you, and, and we'll give you the number one pick. You give us your first this year, maybe your first next year, and a couple of seconds and thirds to to finish it off. Trevor gets Michael Thomas, who you know, he, he, shucks, his Twitter handle is can't guard Mike for a reason. The dude, can, his has has a lot of records around the NFL. is one of the best pass catchers when he's healthy. Obviously, he took a year off with some injuries. Um, so, I I mean, I'd be interested in that scenario. I mean, maybe if Seattle is willing to kick the tires on getting rid of DK because Russell walks, then, you know, maybe DK is another guy who's very interested. Trevor loves to throw the ball down the field. DK is probably the best deep threat wide receiver in the NFL right now just because of his size-speed combination. Like, no corner wants to be down 30 yards down the field one-on-one with this dude. It's just so and, odd,
1: so often do you see these huge mega deals, right? Yeah. The NFL. You just don't see them. You man. don't see
0: them. That's right. That's true. I mean, but the last think...
1: one that I remember, Champ Bailey, Clinton Portis. Remember that deal? That's right. Many, yeah. many, many, I mean, blockbuster kind of trade. Um, that, and We've seen draft pick trades and stuff, but, I mean, to, to trade an established guy like a DK Metcalf, I well, mean, that's... We're,
0: we're looking at teams that maybe are tearing yeah. it down of sorts. I mean, if New, if New Orleans is legitimately needing a quarterback, and Michael Thomas, seen, his relationship with that franchise is strained. I mean plain and simple yeah. it's strained. I mean that that's not necessarily as blockbuster as it would be cuz he could come out and tweet, you know, tweet himself that he just doesn't want to play for the Saints ever again and, you know, pull one of those deals. It wouldn't surprise anybody. So that's why I could see him as an option. DK, if Russell leaves, then then there's oh, yeah. a, rebuild and, a rebuild and you get there. I mean, really, I'd almost be interested in looking at Pittsburgh as well. I mean, hey, Pittsburgh, we did you a favor in the playoffs, and, you know, Big Ben's gone, and you know uh, Mason Rudolph ain't it. Um, how about one of them receivers? You got Claypool. You know he doesn't. He likes music at practice. We play music at practice. <laughs> you know whatever it may be. You know there are guys out there. I think there are receivers out there that you can get. Like Pittsburgh probably would be interested in the right package to give you a receiver. If a, I mean, uh, Mike Tomlin wasn't exactly happy with Claypool this year. Claypool. Has the skill set and has shown that he can be a high level receiver, and the Jaguars need guys. I mean, they don't need just like, yeah, they need. they're not going to get that one guy they need. They need guys. Like, yes. even if you bring back DJ, even if you bring back Treadwell, even if you keep Chanel, even if you keep Marvin Jones, they still need at least two guys that can come in and contribute. And that's minimum. Yeah. And like, because right now, like, finding a tight end is like in the NFL period that can catch passes, block is. Tough. Yeah, I mean it, uh,
1: that's why this past free agency class. I mean, Hunter it was Henry, frustrating. It, there were two Smith. guys,
0: and you had money, and you let them walk, and so now you're there. And maybe you keep Dan Arnold around, which is fine. Dan Arnold is a passable starting tight end. He does the dirty work. He's he's suitable. He's pretty good, and he showed that he can catch passes when he needs to. Zach
1: Ertz, another guy. I mean, you could add him in the trade deadline. Could've. Uh, Arizona got him he's on he's gonna be a free agent this year so I mean maybe he's a guy you kick the tires on hopefully he's uh, he comes a little cheaper than he was I think he was making about eight million a year uh, but there's just not that tight end that there no. were this past year. Uh, would have helped Trevor significantly. It you would went, have. You went budget-wise. You signed Chris Manhurts. Um,
0: and that's why I worry. If they wait and say, okay, well, let's go to the free agency for this thing, and then they strike out there, then they're looking at the draft, and if they still have the number one overall pick, you're not taking them there. And then by the time you, you say, okay, well, maybe we can trade back into the first round to get somebody, and you you never know how, how it shakes out. They wanted Kadarius Tony last year. He went off the board b- before they could get him. Who's to say that Olave or Wilson or Dotson, whoever their guy is, isn't gone? And then you're sitting there like, well, what do we do? And mm-hmm. then we go into the third round, and they take, like, Justin Ross to be the en- entire answer at wide receiver. Nothing against Ross. I think he could be a phenomenal tight end, but he's coming off major injuries mm-hmm. in college. He already has played with Trevor Lawrence, which is definitely a pro. He has the skills and could be a steal if he can stay healthy. But, again, coming off injuries, and if he's your one – Major offseason addition at wide receiver—that ain't it. No, you've got like, you, to get guys. And to me, I mean, I, the quicker you can get Trevor an alpha, an alpha wide receiver, the better. Yeah. So absolutely. how do you get one of those guys? You find somebody who's willing to part ways with him.
1: And honestly, I, I just—I think Marvin and DJ are fine as not number one options. Right. I, I think they're good. Two, three guys. One A. Well, I mean, one B, one C, whatever that is. I just—you can't—you can't go through this. 2022 season without seriously upgrading that position. I mean, I'd like in a perfect world, DJ Shark to be number four receiver. I mean, um, you know, add that much talent around Trevor and just make him, I mean, just make him have those targets. You just Mm -hmm. did not have that this year. And um, I don't, I mean, I don't disagree with having Marvin and DJ on the roster again next year, um, but not as where they were this year. They, it can't, they cannot be your top. Receivers. You no can't. you can't
0: my belief is you bring back Marvin you bring back DJ you get lavishshka and you get Jamal Agnew and they're used on gadget rolls so both of them you want to get them yeah, you know five ten touches a game but they're they're short close to the line of scrimmage kind of things um, and you run them deep as a as a, a gadget play, jet sweeps, things like that. Get the ball in their hands. Maybe LaVishka's lining up in the backfield some, especially because ETN and James Robinson are coming off major injuries. So maybe you use him to to kind of lighten that load that way. But that's how you use those two, and then you have guys ahead of them, which would be Marvin, DJ, and whoever this other guy. Plus we want to mix in a young rookie somewhere in the draft that's in this yep. this order. I mean – I, I mean, you need to get a, a deep, a deep pool at wide receiver. If you look at how the Cincinnati Bengals built around Joe Burrow, their three guys are really good. Mm-hmm. T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase. Their three guys are really good. And Marvin Jones is good. DJ is good. But we need we need at least one more, and you need a really good guy to really top that off. And They're just not – I don't know who that could be. I don't know if Chris Godwin can elevate to that because when he's been in that Tampa Bay offense, Tampa Bay has been loaded at wide receiver for years, and he's always just had to play his role. Now, while he has filled up the stat sheet there, but you got guys like Mike Evans, Antonio Brown. I mean, they've got guys around him, I mean, to where they're they're slinging the rock. And Jameis Winston was – you know, for all the turnovers he had, he was still willing to take chances and sling that rock there. And then mm-hmm. he bring in Tom Brady, and he fills up the stat sheet again. But he's never been just your 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 one A no. end, 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 end of the line. This is the guy that they other team has to stop
1: kind of option. He's not Devonte. He's not Jamar Chase. Right. He's a, they need Jacksonville needs a Jamar Chase kind of player. And they don't draw on
0: trees, and that's why no. they that's why uh, Cincinnati picked him. And that's why Miami took a Jalen Waddle because if you can get that guy, the other defense has to shade their coverage there. It makes Trevor's job easier. It. It gives you a guy where, like, Joe Joe Burrow was like, I couldn't see him, but I knew he was down there somewhere. He said, F it. I'm going to just throw it down there. And I think I tweeted, and Jaguars fans were like, hey, dude, I, Trevor needs an F it level yeah, receiver. Just absolutely. a guy where he's in that area. Drew Brees had Jimmy Graham. Tom Brady still has Gronkowski. I mean, just one of those guys where you're like, I know he's down there somewhere. I'm going to throw it up and give him a shot, you know? And right now, who's that guy? Like, Marvin? No. Laquan? No. Uh, DJ, even when he's healthy? Not really.
1: Like, they just don't have. I mean, there's no – we touched on this probably midseason, and Jamal Agnew, when he went out, you know, who was your guy that you had to worry about? And that one – There wasn't have, one. They have no one. I mean – Even when DJ was healthy, he was not that guy. Yeah. And not if you look at guy. the
0: draft, is like, is Olav or Wilson that guy? Maybe they could be as possible. Is Dotson that guy? Maybe he could be. I mean – it could Justin Ross be that guy? Possibly. I mean, he's the, probably the biggest one of them all. Um, but you, do you really want to put that pressure on a rookie wide receiver to come in and have to be that guy? No, you don't, because rookie wide receivers typically take some time to adjust to the NFL. So you got to look other places to get that guy. To me, the trade market is the best way to in to get that. You're going to have to give something up. But, you know what, you've, you've traded for a bunch of draft picks, you've dug yourself a hold, now it's time to dig your way out. Draft well with the picks you keep, and then trade for a guy, and just you're going to have to pay him. Because no matter who it is, either they're already on a big contract, and that's why the team wants to move on for them, or they're going to be up for a big contract soon, and the team doesn't want to have to pay him, a la a DK, a DK Metcalf who's going to be up for a big contract soon, and you'd have to pay him. But... It, it, the 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 where you got to do the homework at is you got to find a guy with the right mentality. Does Michael Thomas have the right approach to a team that you want to bring into your locker room? Does a DK Metcalf? I don't know the answers to uh-huh. the questions. That's Trent's job to figure out That's before right. he makes a deal. But that that I say they need to make a deal. I would trade out of that number one overall pick. I would let somebody else have the headache of picking between Thibodeau, Neal, and all those guys, and I would go get me a wide receiver, come and a pick in the middle of the teens or something like that, and a couple of picks to work with in the future. That's what I do, and that's where I'm at right now with
1: it. <laughs> I'm <laughs> just saying I, this team has so many holes. Exactly, you got to
0: fill them some kind of way, and you got to get guys. Like at number one, are we convinced that Thibodeau, Neal, or uh, or Hutchinson are A guy. A guy that's going to walk in right now, and they're going to blow the doors off everything. This
1: this reminds me of the 2012 draft when there was just no one. You know, it was Luke Jokel, Eric Fisher. I mean, that was the debate between that. I mean, it's like a a choice between stale bread and a stale roll. I mean, there's no good choice there. Exactly. You you pick— um, you pick your your poison, and I mean those two Fisher. I mean those, Eric Fisher played yesterday in the yeah. in the game, but um, Luke Jokel's been out of the league forever. Terrible number two pick for Jacksonville, and this draft reminds me of that. Where it's I mean not not saying that Evan Neal, Kayvon Thibodeau, Hutchinson are going to be busts like that, but I think it's just there's no really separation between that. Are no. they truly number one picks? I mean no. I mean no. It's, it's such a. It's such a a modest top half of the draft. A bad year to have the number 1 pick, for sure.
0: That's why I'd be willing to trade it to get my hands on a position that typically has been devalued in the NFL of wide receiver, and you get Trevor a guy, and another team gets the pick, and they have the headache of either figuring that out or getting a quarterback or whatever they do. I don't care what they do. As long as they give give Jags a wide receiver and the Jags get another first-round pick and a couple of picks to work with in the future – boom, bada-bing, bada-bang, you're out of that headache. You don't have to worry about it. You get one of the top receivers in the NFL some kind of way, and Trevor's happy, and he's throwing a party for at his house for everybody to <laughs> celebrate his new receiver. We'll see how it all shakes out. It's still early in the offseason. We'll keep you up to date with everything as we kind of go along. Uh, thanks for tuning in for the News for Jags podcast. We'll see you next week.